time, I remember um, I began to overthink situations and uh, I, I found that in ordinary everyday life, even um, completing homework exercises as a 10 or 11-year-old kid, I remember I had to take mental health days even before they were um, commonplace. Um, back when I was in primary school, I remember having mental health days so I could um, complete my assignments because I felt this mounting pressure and this anxiety. And I didn't have the words or the language for it, but when I look back on it now, I recognize that was my first taste of this terrible bully. Anxiety is a bully. I'm not a fan. It's a nasty um, opponent. And, you know, you know, these are light scenarios compared to the far more debilitating scenarios that we can see around us. In fact, I remember one day, Hearts and I were on our way to Pastor Mick and Rhonda's place. And as we um, came in through the driveway, we found a young man having a full-blown panic attack right there on the street. An ambulance had been called. His, um, his girlfriend was beside herself. Um, his extremities were like ice. His lips had gone blue. He was struggling to breathe. And he was beginning to say to his friend, please say farewell to my child. He literally thought his life was at its end. He was so consumed and his body was shutting down. The ambulances arrived soon after. Hearts interceded for that young man. He literally took him in his arms and interceded with, for that young man until the ambulance arrived. And I stood with this girl and just tried to speak the peace of God upon her. And then the ambulance swept in and they medicated him and shifted him and brought him back down to a normal um, situation. Um, but, you know, anxiety is real and can be very um, impacting when it, when it strikes us. You know, sometimes we just find ourselves in the midst of a perfect storm where it's like a domino effect in our well. We feel like we're traveling just fine, everything's sweet, coasting through life. And then there's this perfect storm which brews around us like a domino effect. One situation, another situation, another situation, another situation. And as those dominoes fall, so, you know, we are mortal beings. We are vulnerable and we are fragile in our makeup. And sometimes it's just one last domino effect, boom, that flicks the switch and we find ourselves disarmed and anxiety comes in, sweeps in and catches us off guard. I'm just presenting the facts up front because they are real, my friends. I just want to say the facts are real, but I'm going to get to some truths here today, also this morning. So how to overcome anxiety. You know, when I ask the Lord that question, Lord, what is your answer? Quite often I find he gives me a counterintuitive, unique response. And the response I found he gave me coming to this message today was look to the mountain. And I just want to present that image today and I just want to unpackage this idea this morning to look to the mountain. You know, this month I've been in Kiama down on the south coast, the Grampians in Victoria and Cairns. And in each location, I've found great comfort in looking to the mountains. I just love to look to something that is greater than I. I like to lift my eyes up to something that is, is bigger than I, that's been standing longer than I, that's stronger than I. For me, it's like a, a therapy or a ministry of nature. When I lift my eyes up to the mountains, I find it, I, I may find myself consumed with my own situations, but when I walk into the broad outdoors and lift up my eyes to the mountains, it shifts the things that have felt like mountains become molehills. It puts things in perspective. There's a great power in lifting our our eyes up to the mountains. You know, even Maria in The Sound of Music, she said, um, the hills are alive with the sound of music, with songs they have sung for a thousand years. I love to think that these mountains have been standing for many, many, many years 
and many generations have gone before me which have faced situations just like mine and they have walked through and they've remained standing. There's great comfort in the mountains. And, you know, in the, in the scriptures, the mountains represent a place of communion with God. And I think that's where our greatest power is, in our communion with God, the great I am, the one who is truly greater than I, the one who is truly more powerful than I, more magnificent than I. In John 8, 1, it says that Jesus went to the Mount Olives early in the morning at dawn. And in Luke 6, 12 to 13, it says, Now in those days it occurred that he went up into a mountain to pray, and spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he summoned his disciples and selected from them 12, who he named apostles, special messengers. I love that Jesus too looked to the mountains. The Son of God looked to the mountains. He escaped um, the commotion of the village and of his tribe and of the people that he was discipled. He withdrew and he went up to a higher place, a stronger place, a quieter place. He escaped to the mountains and he communed with God. You know, I believe um, our, 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 and I love that Jesus' weighty decisions were birthed out of prayer. He's, he literally selected the apostles. That decision, that outcome was birthed out of a moment of communion with God. You know, a lot of our natural concern is compound when we don't commune with the Lord about it. As soon as we take ownership of our issues and our circumstances, they tend to carry a weight and a burden with them. And if we don't offload or commune or co-share or co-labor with God, we tend to find ourselves consumed with the weight of those situations, right? Jesus understood that even him in his humanity needed to withdraw to a place to commune with God, to co-share, to co-labor those situations. You know, fear and perfect love cannot coexist exist. In fact, the Bible love says that perfect love casts out fear. It casts out fear. And what I find is when I come to commune with the Lord, um, there's this early phase in the prayer where it's like I'm speaking my, my cares, I'm sharing my circumstances, I'm, I'm sort of dialoguing with God and, and, and talking through the situations that I see. And then it's like there's a threshold shift in the prayer and I find the whole atmosphere changes and I feel like he comes to be with me and then his presence is with me and it's less about me projecting my cares and concerns and it feels more like we're holding a hammock. He's holding one end, I'm holding the other and my concerns are like a baby resting in that hammock and then all of a sudden I feel like I'm co-laboring. I'm, I'm sharing this and he's, he's carrying far more than I'm carrying and the peace of God comes over my circumstances. We have to learn to go to a place where we're communing with God about our burdens and cares. They get so much lighter there. The answers come with great clarity in that place. We could waste so much of our human energy trying to come up and, and get the answers and scrambling around for resources if we would just go to the place of communion. Clarity comes, outcomes come change comes, breakthrough comes in the place of communing with the Lord. Why don't we praise him here in this place today? <laughs> Psalm 121.1 says, I lift my eyes to the hills around Jerusalem, to sacred Mount Zion and Mount Moriah, from whence shall my help come. We lift our eyes. You know, the nature of anxiety is that it pulls us in. It's like a force 
that draw, absorbs us with worry and fret for our circumstances. It's not always rational. Sometimes it hijacks us. It like sweeps in from the left and you think, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. It's not always rational. It's not always natural. It just kind of comes in unsuspected and it isolates and it causes us to look inward and introvert. Um, but the answer here is to lift our eyes because anxiety would love to have us bound and consumed and introverted and introfocused, but the answer in the scripture is to lift our eyes to the mountains, to lift our eyes to the place where the power is. You know, when I was in the um, mountains in the Grampians in Victoria recently, I was in my little room and I got an, uh, an email that was like a thorn in the side. You know, those ones, they kind of come in, you're going through your inbox and then boom, there it is and there's a thorn. And you're like, how did the thorn get there? Where did that come? There's like a pain and an irritation associated with the email and it strikes you and you think, I didn't ask for that. I didn't have my game face on. I didn't know that was coming. Then you've got this thorn in your side and then every step you take, you feel the wince of the thorn. And I'm walking around my little room and I'm just consumed by the thorn in my side and I think I am not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be preoccupied. I'm not going to give power to this thing. So I think I'm going to get rid of you, Thorn. So I walk out of my room and I, I look up to the great Grampian Mountains and I just begin to walk and prayer and detox the Thorn. Get it out of my system. I keep looking to the mountains. I keep telling, putting things in perspective. This is a small thing in the in the big picture. And I keep lifting my eyes, lifting my eyes. Everything in you is going to want to fixate on that small thing. But the power is broken when we lift our eyes and we don't agree to fixate. It, you know, that anxiety would want us to agree to fixate on it so that we get stuck, so we get locked down. But rather, we have to break against that natural pull and lift our eyes. As we lift our eyes, it breaks the fixation and therefore breaks the power of that anxiety in Jesus' mighty name. And then that thing pales into lesser significance. It begins to pale into lesser significance in the view of the mountains and the one that built those mountains. As Psalm 121 goes on to say in verse 2 to 4, My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip or to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep, rather than fixating on the thorn in the side, rather than focusing on the anxiety and the concern and the burden, rather focus on our keeper and his track record. He made the heavens and the earth. He made your world. He made every part of your world. And he sets himself on 24-7 watch over your life. Every hair in your head is counted. Everything that you care about, he cares about. Every burden that matters to you, it matters to him. And he's not a far-off distant God. He leans in, he leans in, he leans in, he leans in. And he's got you covered and he's fighting for you because it's his very nature. In fact, the Lord describes Israel as a vineyard in this beautiful scripture in Isaiah 27, 3. I, the Lord, am its keeper. I water it every moment, lest anyone harm it. I guard and keep it night and day. Let me tell you, he keeps you night and day. You know, anxiety would prefer to make us isolate and feel like nobody sees and nobody understands. But let me tell you, he is close to the brokenhearted. He leans into the brokenhearted night and day. He's right alongside you. Having said all of that, I do want to um, look to the natural and what we can do in the natural um, to help relieve um, pressure. And I want to talk about the art of rest. 
who knows that the art of rest, it's like it's almost going out of fashion, but it's so um, pertinent to human society to keep us buoyant and sustained and, and, um, and flowing and not, um, not brittle and worn down. You know, we're living in a city with a perpetual drive, aren't we? So we need to look after our soul. We need to set watch over our soul and, and rediscover the art of rest. You know, there are natural things, physical rest. It works wonders <laughs> when you just lay down and put your feet up and give your soul and your mind a little bit of um, recovery time. I love to run the block. I love those natural endorphins, clears the mind, those happy endorphins, they come as I just run the block. You know, those simple natural strategies, I, I pray that we would each find our own and we would recover the art of rest um, for our lives. Um, recently, I did a 10-day fast. It's a fruit and veg fast. Initially, um, it was for the purpose because I was going to minister at this um, youth camp and I wanted to see a great outpouring. And so I was preparing for that. Um, so I thought, but as I entered into the fast, I realized actually I need to fast and pray for my own soul, for the recovery of my own soul first. I actually felt, no, this is not about front-footed breakthrough pair. This is about communion. This is about rest and recovering something, recovering the wellspring and the overflow so that you can pour out of that. Uh, you know, uh, I just found that that fast was actually about the recovery of my own soul. What a worthwhile thing to focus on. You know, the rhythm of this world would cause us to neglect our soul. But um, refreshing and overflow and richness spills out of our life when we've got the wellspring in good tact, right? It's true. Um, you know, probably if I think over my life, the time I've really felt um, the sting and the impact of anxiety at its strongest was when um, Jesse, um, my little boy, had just been born. We were still living on the northern beaches. We had a three-year-old daughter, Sienna. And in this season, there was a three-and-a-half-year season, we were commuting from the northern beaches out to Silverwater and back. We were like missionaries from the northern beaches, commuting backwards and forwards. Uh, and it, there was a, a, a pressure and a sacrifice on that season Silver water was completely worth every sacrifice, by the way. We counted a great privilege to build the house of God. It is a privilege to sacrifice for the house of God. But there was a very real um, test in that time. And Jesse was just a tiny baby. And within weeks, um, I was back in the boardroom and in planning meetings and this and that at Silverwater with this small baby and a little girl. And somewhere in the swing, we, I forgot to rest. And, uh, and I just remember um, I would feel eclipsed and sideswiped by anxiety when I had that little baby. In fact, if I'm honest, probably that first year of his life, there, uh, it's, it's almost hard to grasp a memory. It was like a blur. I, I felt that I got hijacked in that first year um, because of the undercurrent of anxiety that came around that time. I think I sacrificed too much. I could have exercised more wisdom. And, um, and, and something got lost in that time. And I thought, Lord, how am I going to recover my rest? How am I going to stop the, the, the um, undercurrent of anxiety that, that's come? I, I remember looking at my kitchen with dishes everywhere and I didn't have my parents around. We were really functioning as a little family. And I, thought, oh, I felt overwhelmed by practical, simple things. And in the midst of that time, I find God gives us really unique, simple strategies and what he showed me to do, how to stop that drive, um, was to remember the art of the tea ceremony. And so each afternoon, I'd sit down in my little, my little kitchen, and I got my pretty teacup and saucer, my little milk jug, 
a couple of biscuits and I laid it out. I made a ceremony and I created a moment for my soul. And it was simple. And as a young mum, sometimes it's a blur. It's hard to even find a moment. But I decided I'm going to safeguard this moment and create a tea ceremony. And it was like one moment every afternoon where I would pause and I'd have my little tea ceremony. And something in the simple act of a tea ceremony and giving a moment for my soul begin to ease the pressure of that anxiety and dial back um, the, the, um, the effects of that and create a calm and create a something to minister back into my own soul. And so I just pray that God would give you strategies right across this room that would be unique to you, that would minister to you, that would refresh you and recover your soul. Sometimes we don't need to do um, hours of prayer. You know, and sometimes it's grating when somebody says, you just need to pray more. You just need to read your... Can I just tell you, sometimes there are natural rhythms and things that need to be recovered. And rest is a great minister. Rest is very powerful to bring recovery. And sometimes it's less about breakthrough prayer and it's more about communion. Really, I was recovering communion. I was recovering a place where I just sat with the Lord, where I just sat in the quietness of my own soul. Amen. Psalm 121.5 says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The side not carrying a shield. These scriptures are powerful. Just ready yourself for these next couple of scriptures. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. That is the side not carrying a shield. I believe he assigns himself to cover the exposed, vulnerable parts of us. The shield covers the natural. There's a lot covering the natural, but the Lord shields the part the natural can't cover. He leans in and he safeguards those vulnerable parts, those broken parts, those fragile parts. He assigns himself to that place. The natural can only cover so much, but the Lord safeguards and protects those parts of who we are. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 describes it like this. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable and this that was capable of dying puts on freedom from death, then shall be fulfilled the scripture that says death is swallowed up, utterly vanquished forever in and unto victory. Amen. Come on. When the perishable, that's us, puts on the imperishable, that's Christ, death and darkness and fear and anxiety is swallowed up, it's absorbed, it's eclipsed in him. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the team to come as I just land this here today. You know, anxiety attempts to bring death to our joy. If the enemy can't corrupt our fruitfulness, he will try and rob our joy. Verse 55 goes on to say, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Now sin is the sting of death, and sin exercises its power upon the soul. Again, it's torment of the soul through the abuse of the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the shadow of death will be lifted in this place today and the affliction upon the soul will be broken here today as, the, as that that is imperishable overshadows the perishable and brings life and imparts fresh victory in this place today. It's interesting, Isaiah 25, 7 describes it like this, and I will destroy on this mountain, 
the covering of the face that is cast over the heads of all people in mourning and the veil of profound wretchedness that is woven and spread over all nations. Isn't that a, a very clear expression of anxiety right there in the scriptures? And it says in verse 8, He will swallow up death in victory. He will abolish death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from off all the earth for the Lord has spoken it. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just stand right across this room here today. For the Lord has spoken it. For the Lord has spoken it in this place today. Let his words bear life. Let his words bring freedom right across this room today. I thank you, Lord, you are that that never perishes. I thank you, you are that thing that brings life into barren places. And I thank you, Lord, right across this day, the veil of anxiety, the veil of fear will be lifted off our heads, lifted off our minds, lifted off our hearts, right across this room, the power of God released in Jesus' mighty name. You know, friends, right now, I believe the power of God is going to overshadow this meeting right now. And I want to invite any person standing in this room and you feel that you've been wrestling with anxiety, anxious thoughts, anxious for your circumstances, anxious for your future and your well-being, anxious for your children, anxious for your marriage, anxious for your circumstances. If there's any doubt or fear or anxiety that has tried to creep in under the radar of your life, I believe as you step onto the altar in this place today, the power of God is going to overshadow you and your heart and your mind in your circumstances. He's going to lift the veil. He's going to break the curse because when the imperishable overshadows the perishable, he eclipses those things. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, where is your sting? The power of God released in this place today. So I want to encourage you to come right now. Just step up out of your seat. Just move out of your seat. This altar is going to be filled. Miracles are going to be released in this place today. The power of God is coming right now, coming behind me right now to crash in on your circumstance. Don't stand with things that you shouldn't be walking with. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. If there's a lack of peace in your soul, an exchange of peace, an exchange of peace for your burdens, an exchange of peace for your concerns, an exchange of peace for your worries and your fears, an exchange of peace. Give yourself permission to take a hold of peace in this place today. Give yourself permission to step out of your seats and take a great exchange.